The so-called migrant caravan has made it to the U.S.-Mexico border. Thousands of asylum seekers from across Central America are gathering in Tijuana, waiting, hoping for their chance at the American dream. They've spent weeks getting there, leaving behind lives marked by poverty and gang violence. They came in the night, busloads of Central American asylum seekers. U.S. asylum seekers arrived in Tijuana by bus this week. A breakaway group of a few hundred migrants from the caravan. Fake Central American migrant caravan. This caravan of migrants. In the run-up to the November 6 midterm election, it was the story dominating the headlines. Marching toward our southern border. Some people call it an invasion. Turbocharged by President Trump's heated rhetoric that most political observers say was aimed at firing up his base. The president has been especially focused in recent days on a caravan of about 5,000 migrants traveling north across the U.S. border, a group he has darkly characterized as gang members, violent criminals, and unknown Middle Easterners, a claim for which his administration so far provided no concrete evidence. I'm Imtiaz Tayeb, and this is The Take. Migrants, asylum seekers, invaders. We've heard all these words used in the news coverage of the caravan. Those words, the choices behind them, they have power. At Al Jazeera, we've made the editorial decision not to describe these people from Central America coming to the U.S. as migrants. Instead, we're calling them asylum seekers. There's a lot of reasons why, which we're going to get into in this episode. But first, we want to hear from our team in Tijuana. My name is Heidi Jo Castro. I'm a correspondent with Al Jazeera English based in Washington, D.C. But I lived in Texas for more than 10 years. That's a state bordering Mexico. And immigration is one of my beats. Heidi is one of a team of reporters Al Jazeera has on the caravan story. She's been in Tijuana since people first started arriving at the border with the U.S., and the scene there was pretty intense. On the Mexican side, there were protests. On the U.S. side, there were soldiers reinforcing the wall, and Heidi and her team were in the middle of all of it. We knew it was going to be hard to get her on a microphone. So we shot her a message on WhatsApp and asked her to tell us what was going on. So I am presently walking through a camp that the city of Tijuana has set up for the Central American asylum seekers. It is inside of a public park, sort of a stadium. It is covered in makeshift tarps. And um, it's definitely an interesting atmosphere because while it feels quite peaceful here, just outside the fences and the gates of this community complex, maybe a hundred meters away, is a mob. It is a mob of uh, people from Tijuana 
who are against the Central American asylum seekers in their city. And they are being held back by a police barricade. I'd say maybe as many as 300 of these protesters have gathered. Um, they're waving signs that say things like invaders, get out of our country, Tijuana, united. They've been chanting uh, our poor first. They're upset because they say that their government isn't doing a proper job of registering the many asylum seekers who have come through. Um, so uh, it's interesting, really, to be honest, all, all they're missing is the pitchforks. I should give you an update. Just now I'm seeing uh, police officers running outside of the migrant shelter. They're, they're running toward the uh, barricade. There's a lot of movement now. Oh shoot, they're, the, the, the asylum seekers are approaching the fence. They're yelling, the women and children, the women are quickly gathering up their children right now. They're dragging them by the hands, by the shoulders. There's definitely a lot of anxiety here. You see it on their faces. Is it crazy, you said? Muy locos, en serio, no. La familia de aquí no bueno, la verdad no. No saben ni lo que está pasando, ellos mismos se alertan y la verdad no. Este, ¿Tienes algún miedo ahora? No, Just... pues la verdad, de que tenemos nomás nos asusta nada más, esos cabrones, va, nos meten miedo, va, pero pues. He, he said that people are scared. This is a man standing next to me. He's holding his a little boy um, in his arms and diapers, and he just said that it's okay, that it was a false alarm. A point here. People from Latin America trying to cross the U.S. southern border is nothing new. They've been doing it for decades. Some through due process, others by sneaking in. That's why the first section of what's become known as the wall went up in 1994 under the Clinton administration. It's a dangerous journey. So people have been banding together to protect themselves against criminal gangs and smugglers. But it's not often we see a group like this arrive all at once. The negative word they're choosing to use to refer to these asylum seekers is invaders. And that is a pretty new phenomenon here. Um, working with our Mexico City Bureau staff, they say that it's a, it's usually a pretty welcoming place in Tijuana for Central American migrants. And the fact that people feel compelled to protest in public and on social media, the presence of this caravan is really startling. Previous caravans have numbered maybe in several hundred at a time, but the fact that there are now 3,000 people uh, from Central America and Tijuana and that the numbers are only expected to grow. And so to have 10,000 strangers, um, you know, in their town, I, I, they, they feel threatened by that, by the, by the unknown. Here on the ground, when you ask them uh, to describe themselves, they'll say something like, oh, we're simple, we're simple migrants, you know, we're leaving our home countries for a better life, because that's how they define the word migrant. Uh, migrants in the view here in Mexico, where there's such a long and deep tradition of migration itself, it's not seen um, in a negative light. 
so migrants is the term that um, most people here use for themselves and uh, for the newcomers to their country. Now, I want to take you back to 2015, to another story. The word migrant took on a clearly negative tone at the height of the refugee crisis in Europe, when millions of people from the Middle East and Africa crossed the Mediterranean. You had media in the UK and in France and in other European countries who were using the word in a way that felt pejorative. Barry Malone is a senior journalist at Al Jazeera. He runs a TV show called The Stream. But back in 2015, he was an online editor. And the word migrant was getting under his skin. Instead of telling the stories of these people or interviewing these people or allowing these people to speak for themselves, it seemed that the word told you everything that you needed to know. That there were people who were coming to your country for money. They were coming with no good reason. They were bringing criminality. They were a problem. And so I started to see every day at Al Jazeera headlines that said migrant crisis. And the truth was that if you looked into the numbers, most of the people who were crossing the Mediterranean at that, at that time, August 2015, were fleeing war. You had people coming from Syria. You had people coming from Libya, people coming from Iraq, Somalia. And so when you looked into the numbers, it seems to me that it wasn't a migrant crisis, rather it was a refugee crisis. Um, so I brought this suggestion that Al Jazeera would stop calling it a migrant crisis and start calling it a refugee crisis um, to our director of news, uh, Salah Negim, and thankfully he agreed. The channel will use the word refugee to describe those leaving their home countries and reaching the continent. And he changed the policy and asked me to write a blog explaining why we were doing it. Tell me about the blog. What was in the blog? It was called Why Al Jazeera. Oh, thank you. It's just been handed to me. Um, Why Al Jazeera will not say Mediterranean migrants. So it started with, imagine waking your children in the morning. Imagine feeding and dressing them. Imagine pulling a little girl's hair into a ponytail, arguing with a little boy about which pair of shoes he wants to wear. Now imagine, as you are doing that, you know later today you will strap their vulnerable bodies into enveloping life jackets and take them with you in a rubber dinghy through waters that have claimed many who have done the same. Think of the story you'd have to tell to reassure them. Think of trying to make it fun. Consider the emotional strength needed to smile at them and conceal your fear. And I think the reason that I started in that way was because the story had become a story primarily of numbers. We were talking about 10 migrants dead, 50 migrants dead, boat overturns, 100 migrants dead. And it felt like we were maybe not often getting behind the headlines and getting that human story across to people. And so I felt it was important to try and put people in that situation. I remember at the time there was some criticism of both the decision and the blog in which people said to me, well, you're becoming an activist here. You know, migrant is... Um, you know, a, a, per, a perfectly accurate term to describe people who move from one place to the other. Um, and I think as, as journalists, it's our job to tell the truth as we see it, not to always be slaves to uh, a government definition 
or government language or official language or even NGO language. This article f- went viral. It did. It went big. Mm-hmm. I had messages from people in other newsrooms um, around the world, um, friends in places I'd worked before, um, people I didn't know in places like the BBC and CNN saying to me, wow, this has really made us think about the terminology that we're using. Hey, we had a discussion in our morning meeting about your blog to decide what we would do if we would follow. And not everybody followed the decision that we took. Some did, many didn't. But even if they didn't, they were at least now thinking about it and talking about it. And I think that was a very, very valuable thing to happen. Migrant is back, the word. But in this context, uh, it's away from Europe. It's away from the Middle East or North Africa. uh, And it's uh, on the border near Mexico. What are your feelings about this phrase, migrant caravan? I think every situation has to be looked at individually. Um, There are clear differences between the story that we were covering in Europe in 2015 and this story that is in the headlines in the United States in 2018. However, I do think that there are similarities. And the big similarity that I can see is that you have people in power who are using particular words, particular rhetoric, in order to achieve particular political goals. These caravans and illegal migrants are drawn to our country by... Democrat-backed laws and left-wing judicial rulings. And for the media covering that story, similarly to 2015, you have to look at the language that's being used by a president, by a government, by anybody in power. And you have to decide whether or not you are going to use similar language when framing the story. The biggest loophole drawing illegal aliens to our borders is the use of fraudulent or meritless asylum claims to gain entry into our great country. The job of the media is not simply to parrot the language used by others. It's to consider that language carefully and to try to figure out the motivation behind the use of certain language. I mean, you can go back in recent news history and see many occasions when the media has decided not to use the language being used by government. So a big one was collateral damage. Um, Some military people like to use the phrase collateral damage. What does that mean? It's the deaths of civilians. It's the killings. It's the killing of civilians by a military. Um, Extraordinary rendition. When somebody is snatched from the street by a military, loaded onto a plane and taken away off into um, a secret prison. It's kidnap. An airstrike, that implies precision. What we should call them is bombing raids. So, again, it's about the media not being lazy and examining the terminology that's being used. Uh, Let's talk about asylum here. Uh, it's not a characterization. It is it is a legal term. Uh, here's what Heidi has to say about it. So the international definition of asylum is pretty wide. It basically says that if a person is at risk of persecution in their home country, they may qualify to apply for asylum in another country. But if we just narrow that down, the U.S. definition is a much harder hurdle to cross because not only does the applicant have to prove that they're at risk of persecution, 
but they have to also prove that this risk arises from belonging to at least one of five protected groups under U.S. law. And those groups are based on race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or social group. So most of the people uh, from the caravan who are now in Tijuana, they're not going to qualify under that second requirement under U.S. law that says they have to belong to one of these protected groups because these are families who are fleeing poverty and gang violence. Gang violence specifically was disqualified by the Trump administration as a qualification to get asylum in the U.S. So when you look at asylum from that perspective, for these Central Americans, they're asking for asylum from a dead-end life that they they see no other way of escaping. And they say, even if they are rejected by the United States, they'll feel that they've at least tried and they feel that they haven't lost much. Um, What are your thoughts on that? It's not for me to say whether or not their asylum claims are valid. But as a journalist, um, I can't say that they are asylum seekers. And if you look at um, the numbers of people from previous caravans who have presented at the US border, the majority of them do claim asylum and go through the proper process and end up rejected. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a right to try. And, you know, for a lot of them, they know they don't tick the boxes, but they are desperate. You know, they live in crushing poverty in their home countries, poverty that's made worse by all this violence and instability. And, of course, remember what Heidi said, which is for a lot of them, this word migrant isn't a bad word, that that migration is is a part of their history. You know, they call themselves migrants. I think it's really interesting. Um, I think that it goes to show what I said earlier, which is that you have to consider these things on a case-by-case basis. Every story is different. The terminology used in every country is different. Um, I think that that is not how many people in the US see the term migrant, unfortunately. Um, It's seen as, again, somebody who is traveling purely for economic reasons, purely for monetary reasons. You know, if you're if you're in the American media and you're writing stories that are going to be largely consumed by a US audience, then I think you would be serving that audience better if you use the term asylum seekers. Really what we're talking about are people. You know, we we've been having a discussion where we're saying should we call them migrants, should we call them asylum seekers, um, should they be called they're people. They're men, women and children. Speaking as a journalist, I do think that it's important, and I think I said this in 2015, that we do better as a profession at thinking and talking about the impact that we have. You know, now journalists are under so much pressure to produce content across all different platforms at all different times of the day. We have to keep feeding that beast. And I think that sometimes the impact of that is that we don't have the time to sit back and think about the impact that our work is having. So it would be great if the media could do that a little bit more and be a little bit more attuned 
to the power that we have and to wield that power a little bit more responsibly. And a big part of wielding that power more responsibly is thinking about how we frame stories. And what's really at the heart of that framing is very often the language that we use. Barry Malone, thank you very much. Thank you. The people at the border have been through a lot. They face an uncertain future. We went back to Heidi and asked her for a final thought at the end of her assignment in Tijuana. When you ask them, just how do you manage to do this, to, you know, against all odds, get past the U.S. border, win your asylum case, the one answer that practically all of them say is, con la ayuda de Dios, with God's help. And you see that theme repeated over and over again. They are invested 100% in this blind faith that Providence has guided them away from their homes and is leading them through this journey. And if they are turned around at the U.S. border and they end up settling in Mexico or something, they'll see that also as God's will being accomplished. Um, And in a sense, that's what's giving them strength to overcome all of these obstacles. I'll I'll end on on a thing that I saw today when I was at the migrant shelter. Um, There was a mom and she had a little girl who looked to be just about one years old who was just barely taking her first steps and the mom was holding her hands. And... It just struck me when I saw that, that this little girl, this little person is taking her first steps in life at a refugee camp. And who knows how much further those steps will take her. Will they take her across the border? That's a huge, huge unknown. And realistically, most likely not. She, along with the vast majority of these asylum seekers, will most likely be rejected under U.S. law, under Trump's administration. And so we'll just have to see where those steps take her. That's it for us this week on The Take. There's a link in the show description of this episode. It's for a survey where you can tell us your thoughts on the show. Morgan Waters produced this episode. She had production help from Kiana Mogadam, Jasmine Bayumi, Jordan Marie Bailey, and me, Imtiaz Tayyip. The show's lead producer is Graylin Bashir. The sound designer was Ian Koss. Special thanks to Heidi Jo Castro, Amparo Rodriguez, Gustavo Huerta, and Barry Malone. We'll be back next week. <laughs> 